Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. We have a great homeschooling journeys interview today with Kristen Drenzek. But before we begin, make sure you head down to the show notes. All that great stuff is linked down there. Um, Kristen's Instagram, but also a lot of the show notes, um, our resource guide, links to our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe at our YouTube channel and all the other ways to get a hold of us on, on Instagram and Facebook. But back to Kristen. Yes, of Alaska Wildlings Instagram fame. Yes, we sir. will link it in the show notes. Uh, if you want to just get a, a flavor, you can go ahead and, and click on that now and you can see some of these gorgeous pictures. Well, she's she's located in South Central Alaska, just north of Anchorage, I believe. They're a Blossom and Root family. She has three kiddos. And so she talks about uh, how they how she manages homeschooling all three. Her, her children are young, uh, ages three and a half she's to seven. She's not really a homeschooler. She's an Alaska schooler. Yeah. I mean, she she's, she's homeschooling, but she's also, they live so much of their lives outdoors and leverage nature in so much of their learning, which I thought was really great. It's, it's a reminder to us to get uh, out of the house, you know, yeah, get out of the house and that, that it doesn't all have to be something prescribed in a curriculum. Mm -hmm. We, we love as a Blossom Root family ourselves, you know, we we like to, okay, this week I got to check off these things. And it was, it was refreshing to listen to her say, uh, you know, if it's snowing outside, uh, we're not homeschooling today. We're going to be outside the whole day and we're going to be learning other things. And that's just as valuable as what, you know, may have been planned in the curriculum. I think it's always good to get those kind of reminders. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I, I talk to you about it all the time where it does feel like I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to forget something or I'm worried that I'm not going to get, you're going to be quote unquote behind, behind, unquote behind, behind who, right? Yeah. I mean, as much as we've talked about people not thinking that way, you know, we fall into that same trap. Sure. I think it's very natural to feel that. Yeah. It's like, I just want to get everything done. I only have, you know, with our oldest, she's going to the preschool two days a week. I really only have about three days worth of homeschooling time, but we also have the weekends and we go all year round. And so, you know, we're not really missing out on that much, but I do have that kind of pressure. And it is nice to talk to somebody who says, you know, we are doing the homeschooling, but it is so important for my kids to get outside and to experience nature and to you know be be with their mom outside doing amazing things. Well, and and, and, that and is exploring. Just as, yeah, that's just, just as enriching as you know anything else in the world. And, and experiencing the world right. around you and, and getting that connection is just as enriching. You know, it's helping to wire up her kids' brains are getting wired up in a really amazing way. Mm-hmm. And while they're also doing homeschooling. And so Yeah, I mean the curriculum while it has some things she she talked she talked quite a bit about the Blossom and Root space science um section of Kinder, which is awesome. You know, but other parts of the curriculum they've planned fun things to make it exciting for mm-hmm. you. But living in an area like that, even even living where we are anywhere, taking your kids outside and seeing what they're interested in and then running with that, it's like you know, you, you could just do that, right? Yeah. That's that's where the unschooling, that kind of that tug of unschooling kind of always gets you like, you know, then that child, um, the interest-driven learning, right? Where you're, you're following child-led. Child-led so this is the yeah. word I'm looking for. So I, I just thought that was great. You know, how she said, yeah, we, we go on this walk and we go on the same walk, you know, every week for the last six years, we've gone on this walk and the number of things they've observed about the changing of the seasons and that things. That was really cool. Yeah. That was really cool. We, we also have a, a walk that we go on very frequently from our home and we, we've noticed the same thing about how our, how our children notice how things have changed and, and because they're so familiar with an area, it, it's still a great opportunity to learn. I thought it was just a great interview. It was, it was a pleasure to talk with her and, and, uh, just a reminder that one, we have to get outside more. Two, we have to get some better outdoor gear. Yeah, gear. I think that was the big thing. She really stresses the gear. And you'll see that on her Instagram feed. They're wearing 
good gear and i think that mm-hmm. just makes being outside in the environment more appealing not only for the parent as she said the parents but also the kids you know if the kids are wet and miserable they're not going to enjoy it right right i think that's a big part of it yeah her her motto when she says in the interview is that every day can be an adventure and that's absolutely what she shows on her instagram which is why i originally uh, thought she would be great to talk to and Mm -hmm. and she really was and something that we can take i think that's a great motto that we can take you know how can we make every day some sort of adventure Mm -hmm. even in small ways even though we don't live in in a place like uh like alaska yeah but unless you live in the middle of you know, the city or something like that. There's probably a hike or a lake or a park that you, you know. Can but go even walk in the around. middle of the yeah. city, that, I mean, that's a that's a cause for adventure. The people watching. I yeah. mean, well, not right now, but you know, usually the the museums that you have access to oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the varied cultures, right? Yeah. I mean, going to you know, all these different you know, stores or restaurants or things, you know, in in non COVID times, obviously, uh, the things that you could experience just being in the city, the parks there. I mean, I think there's an adventure to be had everywhere. And it's just something that we should, I don't know, that we should remember. Yeah, no, kind I, of it struck me when she said that. I was like, you right. know, that's right. Childhood itself should be an adventure and we can help every day to do something, you know, interesting and magical for our kids. And yeah, whether it's your one and a half year old crazy, you know, riding her strider down the down the, you know, the driveway bike, with yeah. her legs up in the air. Or if it's going on a, a walk around a frozen lake in Alaska, you just get outside, do something. Don't stress about the curriculum. You'll always have time to do it. Yeah, it's always there for you, right? Yeah. But but something that piques their interest. You never know where it's going to come from. Our youngest is so excited about the drains on our street. She's just yeah, the water at the bottom of them, and that she can throw things down them. Right? Yeah, that there's you know bits of leaves and things, and <laughs> and she's so excited about these storm drains, and so <laughs> and it got my our older daughter asking me how the the grates were made. So we've been talking because I'm in engineering. Um, we've been talking a lot about how everything is made. She'll hold up a toy. You know, mommy, how's this made? Is this injected molded plastic? Yes. Yes, that is. Right. So <laughs> she's asking about how it's made, right? How this, how the grate's made because her sister's interested in the fact that there's water and that the leaves fall. And then we're talking about, well, where does the water from this storm drain go? And we have a retention pond here in our neighborhood and, you know, all those things. Right. So I, I just walked by this drain. I don't know how many times I never even noticed it. <laughs> to tell you yeah. the truth um but they wanted to know so much about it so i i think that yeah there's always opportunity for interest yeah. and exploration and i thought that was great and, and Kristen reminded me of that which i appreciated so hopefully she'll um she'll inspire and and remind you too of some of the adventures that you can have so let's get into it hi Kristen. thanks so much for joining us today hi thank you so much for having me well, we're so happy to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about your your family and um, your homeschooling background and the awesome location uh, that you live in? How much CGI do you use in your Instagram photos? <laughs> none. <laughs> I use none. Um, yeah, we are so fortunate to live in South Central Alaska, and it is just beautiful when people ask me about the pictures I've taken. I, I'm really not doing anything fancy. I'm taking them with an iPhone and it is just beautiful here. So we are very lucky to live where we live. So yeah, I am fortunate enough to get to spend my days homeschooling my three children, mostly outdoors in the beautiful state we live in. And my children are almost seven in two weeks, my oldest, mm-hmm. and five and three and a half. And we are a little bit new to homeschooling. My homeschooling history is maybe a little bit unique as I actually never planned on being a homeschooler. My husband had actually been trying to convince me to homeschool my kids from the time I got pregnant. (laughs) And I always laughed it off and said, no, no way, I'm I'm not doing that. And I actually agonized over the decision for quite some time and just thought about how hard it would be, never getting a break and I feel like my head was telling me all sorts of reasons why I shouldn't or I couldn't, but my heart was just absolutely aching at the thought of not doing it. And I just felt in my core so strongly that I just had to homeschool them. And so we decided to do it and it's been amazing. I can't imagine our life any other way now. 
did you did you choose the homeschool for some philosophical decision or is it really just like the availability of schools or was there some you know external factor or was it you guys just have like a you know a deep-seated need to homeschool um it was actually the outside time it was when i realized how drastically our outdoor life would change when the oldest went to school and so the time outside and especially in alaska we have limited daylight in fall winter and i just realized wow like we're we're used to spending so much time outside learning outside if he's gone at school all those hours that's really going to reduce the amount of time that we're outside together and that's kind of what started it for us that was my that was my deal breaker for brick and mortar schools was outside time and it's it's now become so much more than that and i can't it's so funny it's only been a couple of years but i can't even imagine not homeschooling it's it's so perfect for us how it's working out right now so so have you guys been in alaska you know f- since your first child was born we've been up here i think 12 or 13 years okay so my oldest is just about to turn 7 so yeah we've been up here quite a while before had a lot of time to explore before kids so in your homeschooling do you guys do a certain type of curriculum or do you guys do a lot of outdoor kind of like unschooling method in the in the woods and just kind of learning on the fly we're we're not unschoolers exactly, but we're definitely not scheduled homeschoolers either. Okay. Um, our schedule is very flexible, and we are always going to prioritize any sort of seasonal events and observations we're making around us, and whatever interests the kids have over anything any curriculum we're using. And we do we do have curriculum. We use Blossom and Root is our main curriculum when we use it, and when we use it, we love it. But we certainly are not the type of family that will have a schedule and sit down and do a couple hours a day. You know, if it's snowing outside, we're, we're going to be outside all day. We're probably not going to open that blossom and root, but that doesn't mean we're not learning all sorts of other things. So do, do you feel that homeschooling kind of for you guys, because you do incorporate the kind of outdoors as much as possible, kind of, do you guys do kind of had the mindset of being an all year round homeschooling family? Yeah, yeah, I do. Sometimes I feel like, oh gosh, we've just taken, you know, a month and we haven't opened any of our, we actually have a lot more curriculum too. I kind of, I kind of buy curriculum anytime I see something I like, I just, I get it and I print it and we'll use maybe just a couple pieces, but. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, no, Ariel doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that's a very rare position to have as a homeschooler. We're not collectors of curriculum. Um, Right. So yeah, we do, we'll, we'll school a lot during the summer too. And I feel like we've always, we've always kind of done this. We've only been homeschooling officially for, I guess, this is our second official year since my son's in first grade. Um, But I do feel like I'm not new to what we do. I'm new to being an official homeschooler, but, you know, we've been doing the same kind of learning outside for his whole seven years. I don't believe that learning all of a sudden starts when you turn five. You know, it's it's kind of more of a, we're learning about the stuff around us and we kind of learn based on the kids' questions too. So, you know, their questions are going to get more complex as they grow. And we're kind of reaching a point where some of the questions I'm like, oh gosh, I have no idea. Like, let's find out together type of stuff. Um, which, you know, I'm not getting that from my three and a half year old yet I can still answer all of her questions but you know the seven-year-old I'm like that's a really good question let's let's figure it out I'm not as familiar with the homeschooling laws in the state of Alaska what what are your requirements like every year for to to meet to meet your your state homeschooling uh, needs we have a ton of flexibility here it's really amazing it was definitely not something we ever when we moved to Alaska even thought of my husband maybe had in the back of his mind that he wanted to homeschool his children, but he never told me that until I was pregnant. Um, (laughs) And I certainly would not have considered that, but I think Alaska is one of the best states for having flexibility. And I know right now my son's only in first and I think it might change in second. I, I, I feel like the, the requirements for what we need to submit might, might get a little bit more official of things that we have to put in, but Right now, we just give a few work samples, and they can really be anything. And our advisors, we do have, we do homeschool through a, a program, and we have an advisor with them, and they just check in, check in with us, I think, about quarterly. And we just have a Zoom call, and we tell them what we're doing, and everything we're doing has always been 
totally fine. There's there's no strict requirements. There's no testing or anything right now. I think there will be in the future, but I think if we wanted to opt out of that, we could. We probably will just do it because I think we I think we kind of organically cover everything we need to cover anyway. Is this advisor? Is this a like a member of the school district? Is this a public public official or is this something else tangential to that? It's through. I'm not exactly sure the terminology. We we go through a, it's a homeschool charter, I think, what we go through. The homeschool charter is called Twinley Bridge. And it's there's a bunch of different charters up here that you can sign up for. Is, this is, is this like an online charter? Um, they have this, actually, they have a school. You can take classes through them. Not, actually, not right now. I think their classes were canceled. But typically, they, they do offer classes. It's not something we've ever done, just because we kind of like like what we do on our own but they they do have some classes they have advisors they have actually a school you can go to but it's you know the first graders would only go on Mondays or something and they'd have like some different offerings for classes that they would do just on that day of the week and then maybe second and third grade would be on Tuesday you know Mm -hmm. that that kind of thing so it's not it's definitely a reduced schedule so it's something that homeschoolers would be more comfortable with and you know obviously if you're going to send your kids five days you might as well just send them to school. So now working with that with that charter, uh, are they giving you like curriculum support and, and and advice or? We get an allotment of money that we can spend on anything secular. Nice. And there are, I think, some requirements on how you can spend that, but it's it's pretty open on any books or equipment that you need, which is very nice to have. When you guys are doing the Blossom and Rue curriculum, I know there's some books that are necessary for that. Do you, you know, use your public library or do you typically, you know, how do you guys fulfill that? We live in about 10, 10, 15 minutes away from our local library and our library is great. We, we don't really utilize the library as much. We did for story times when my children were babies, but since then I, I'm a bit of a book hoarder. So they also um, don't know anything about that. Yeah, as, no. Yeah, as we stare at a wall of thousand books. Yes. Yeah. We don't know, know. anything about that. No. We are in need of a couple more bookshelves too. I've been scouring Craigslist and Marketplace for them because we're gonna be building them in January. Yeah, That's them, what we're yeah. doing. We're building bookcases because we, we should probably build them because we've got kind of weird spaces and so often we need just exactly the right size to fit this area. And there's yeah, there's stacks of books on the floor right now. Um so we do need somewhere to put them, but I, I do, I buy the books from Blossom and Root and other places. We actually, we buy old library books often is how we get a lot of our books. And we get those from Amazon or eBay and, you know, they're three or four bucks a piece for a nice long book and good way to, good way to get books. And it's also kind of cool that some of them still have the the library tags and bindings and little cards in them. And so we have stuff from libraries all over the country, but we don't awesome. actually go to the library that often. Are you doing the Blossom and Root curriculum for both your seven-year-old and your five-year-old? We're actually, we're just finishing up kindergarten, which I've been doing for both of them. Okay. And we did nothing last year as far as former formal curriculum for my now almost seven-year-old. And we didn't start reading or anything with him. He just wasn't, he wasn't ready. And another big reason I wanted to homeschool was just so we could read at his pace. It wouldn't have to be something that he was forced to do when he was five because he just, he wasn't interested in it and I wasn't going to push it. So we didn't do anything then. And so we're just finishing up kindergarten now and it's going great with him. We've really zoomed through it. I think we just started at the end of summer with the kindergarten with him. Hmm. Actually, my three-year-old's kind of doing it too. I, I'll give her some, some printouts of it and she'll <laughs> scribble on some pages. But my five-year-old is she's starting to read too and he's my seven-year-old is or almost seven-year-old is reading very well now and she's just starting but she's definitely just at a different level than he is you know all kids have a a different speed that they're learning so they kind of like doing most of the things together their reading is a little bit different the two of them but the other stuff all the science and the nature study we do all that together as a family so what, what does like a day look like so maybe maybe tell us like two different days maybe start with the day where you're actually doing the homeschooling at home with the blossom and root curriculum what does that look like say for you know you wake up you know what does that look like for the three-year-old five-year-old seven-year-old how do you go through that process of doing that most of the time we do 
the curriculum together, even if it's just something that's really for the five and seven-year-olds or just for the seven-year-olds. But there are times where we'll try and get stuff done during my three and a half year old's nap time. And she does still nap, which is fantastic because it gives us about two hours of time in the middle of the day in case there's something that needs a little bit more concentration or, you know, sometimes there will be activities that she would get bored for or interrupt for stuff like my son reading. That's stuff that we do mm-hmm. when she's either napping or going to bed early. So any like the phonics, that type of stuff. I, tr- I do try to do that with just him when the youngest isn't around just so that we can really kind of concentrate on that with him. But for most of the other stuff, any of the science, any of the language arts, any of our other curriculums that kind of have us doing crafty things or something like that, we'll either in the morning or in the afternoon, we really, we don't have any set schedule. It's just whenever we feel like doing it, whenever everybody feels like they're maybe in a in a mood to open up our our books and we'll just sit down together and we'll do something. And the thing I like about Blossom and Rue is there's a lot of things that you can draw in it. So our nature study, we've also printed out some supplemental materials that have coloring books. And especially for the nature study, it's really helpful. We'll read a book and then the kids can draw the animals. So the three and a half year old, I'll print her out a bunch of animal pictures, say we're talking Mm. about bats, I'll print her a bunch of pictures of bats. And she'll just go to town on that for a long time while we're talking about other things. And this is this is an area where I, I have a lot I like printing at home and I have a lot of printing supplies. And I've also bought a coil binder. So now the kids have me coil bind them like coloring books on a regular basis and sometimes they'll have just like four pages and they're like mom bind these and I'm like come on guys at least at least 10 pages give me some more to bind Um, but setting her up with those with these little you know customized coloring books really does help us get more done and she can make requests of here's animals I want in my coloring book for today and I'll print them out for her and bind them and then you know I can rebind something else later but but having her set up with something to color really does help us get more stuff done. But she's pretty involved in it too. She's old enough that she likes to to learn about the the animals or the the planets, the space study that we're doing. Oh, what, what is the space study? Is it like a unit study that you purchased or is it something? Yeah, it, this is a Blossom and Root also. And it's we've had a blast with it. We're, we're almost done with that one. We're out in the Kuiper Belt right now. But cool. they we built a spaceship out of cardboard that was going great. You're supposed to keep it for the whole year, which I think a lot of people have been having some struggles with <laughs> because especially if you build it big and you don't have a big space. We had it in our garage and they'd play in it every time that we did our our solar system study. But then I needed the garage because it's about to be winter. So we moved it outside, but then it's also about to be winter. I put a tent up over it. And anyway, we ended up burning it. <laughs> we, had, we, had a, we had a mock... Uh, space accident and then we are rescued by some <laughs> aliens that were going by so we you know we sold it into a story thing but they did love playing in this spaceship while we studied where we were going but the the curriculum is really fun because it involves every planet that you visit there's not a ton in the actual curriculum you're kind of going out to see this alien and they're um you're doing things for her. So you're answering some math questions, you're counting up some fuel stuff, you're drawing a picture of your planets. So we did most of that, you know, just in addition to what's written in the curriculum, but we just kind of spread out books. And this is this is part of why I like having all our own books versus library books. We just have a ton of solar system books and the Smithsonian DC books and insiders, all those. So having three kids, I always think it's important to not you know, we're studying Saturn, here's our solar system book, everybody gather around this one book, like that, it doesn't really work for us. So I have like, seven solar system books, and I'll just spread them around the living room, and be like, all right, here's Saturn on all these different pages, just walk around, see what you like, we'll, you know, read kind of all of them. And then there's no fighting, because everybody has their choice of book. So we kind of study that way of just having books spread out and talking about it, and then drawing the planets and that's kind of like what you do the homeschooling in the house you know tell us about the days where you 
throw Blossom and Root into the corner and you get outside? What do those look like? Do you do a lot of preparation or do you just say, hey, let's go for a walk or, you know, let's go hiking in this area? Yeah, not a ton of preparation for where we go or what we do, just besides being weather dependent. And, you know, if if it's pouring, then we're splashing in puddles like that's that's what we're doing. So we do and we love when it's pouring. That's kids love splashing in rain puddles. So I don't ever wake up when it's raining and be like, oh, man, this is a bummer of a day because it's going to be a great day. There's going to be so many laughs and it's going to be great. Um, So, yeah, we do stuff depending on the weather. But, yeah, we'll often just where have we not been in a while or where are we really liking right now? And we'll go somewhere. We'll go on a hike. And then homeschooling just comes into play. If we spot a bunch of mushrooms on a hike one day, we're going to check them out. And the next day we're going to go back with local mushroom guides and our journals and we'll do a mini mushroom unit that we weren't planning on doing because that's what we found. Or we do a lot of seasonal stuff. We'll do hikes on the solstice and the equinoxes and talk about the sun. We'll do stuff on full moons. We, we do a lot of things by the seasons, a lot of things where we'll visit the same place. There's one hike that we do in particular that we've been doing for six years, every week, at least once a week. And so we just walk around this lake and it's a really, really great hike. And it's only like a mile, a mile and a half. So it's a really, it's easy to bail if things, if something happens on the trail, but just walking around this lake in all the seasons and all the weather, noting the water level and where the ice is and what's, what's in bloom, what's mating there, what's, you know, just all sorts of things we've experienced in that lake. We've, we explored it with kayaks this past summer and there's a small hot spring at one part of this lake and we kayaked over there and there were dragonflies mating in concentrations that I've never seen. Like it was so dense right there, right above where the hot spring comes out. And we just kind of kayaked around through that and then talked about that and, you know, it's okay if I don't know, is it, is it coincidence? Is it because it's the warmer water here? What's going on? Is there something underneath? And that's kind of just how we explore the world. And it's just kind of cool to take places like that, that we just make observations every week for years and years and just kind of get to know a place like that. It was raining here. So we're in Western Washington. It rains, you know, pretty much every day in the winter. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very hard to get my girls out of the house <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Um, how how did you kind of cultivate that outdoor lifestyle? Are you guys, you know, big campers? Are you guys big outdoor naturalists? They snow camp. You see the IG? I did. I did see them snow camp. <laughs> that is now, that is legit. How, how, maybe maybe you could just how how do you do that? <laughs> I think I I honestly think I think there's two really important things to that, and I think the first thing is parental enthusiasm. And I feel like even, even if you're not feeling it, you can, you can fake that. But honestly, I'm almost always feeling that because I really, I'm just very enthusiastic for being outside. And my oldest always has been too. Ever since, like, even when he was a baby, we called him adventure baby. And (laughs) he just, he, from birth, he was an amazing camper. And I remember thinking like, this is, this is because of me. This is because I'm doing everything right. I'm camping with him as a baby. He's just an awesome camper. And it's because I started him young and yeah, maybe a little bit of that. But then I had my second child and my third and I camped with them from birth and they were not as great intense (laughs) and (laughs) I didn't do anything different, but they just, they didn't love it as much naturally, but we still kept doing it and now they both love it. But there was, it was just that time. I think it's like the maybe six to 12 months. Or maybe it's, it's like nine, nine to 15 months, I think is the time frame where in my mind, I don't really like to have a baby in a tent or on an airplane or, you know, really anywhere. Like they're trying to walk, but they sort of can't yet. And they want to be on the move everywhere and they just don't want to be contained anywhere. But anyway, we camped with them through those times, all the kids, the kids that were great and the kids that weren't. And still, it was always just a time when we're very enthusiastic about it. My husband's not a huge camper. He does come with us a lot of the times when we camp as a family, but I take the kids out a lot by myself too. And it's just always, I don't feel like I have any bad 
camping memories. And I have had trips that have not gone well at all. <laughs> uh, I had one last summer that went, it was like everything that could go wrong really was going wrong. But I still just think of it. I, I feel like your, your worst day camping is better than your best day doing anything else, kind of. <laughs> um, so I enjoy it that much. And I think that that really helps with kids when they see their parent being so enthusiastic about something and so comfortable somewhere and they want to be a part of that too. So I do think that helps. I think it helps in the rain. It helps in the snow. And then the second part of that is, of course, having really good gear. And I, I really do love gear. I have, I worked at REI, you know, in what feels like a past life, but I've always really loved having an assortment of gear, being able to choose stuff for exactly the right weather. This doesn't mean it always has to be the most expensive stuff, but for our climate, it really does help to have a variety of stuff and really good stuff and stuff that is actually waterproof. Because I do feel like sometimes if you think kids don't like being in the rain, it's, it's not really that the kids don't like being in the rain, it's that kids don't like being wet and cold. And especially up here, if it rains, it's cold. And I'm sure raining in Pacific Northwest in the winter, it's also cold. So I feel like that's a, that's a hard thing. And it can be hard to find the right stuff. I feel like there's, when I was looking, when my seven-year-old was just born, there was one rain mitten on the market and it wasn't a great one either. And it was very hard to find. And now there's a lot of options. And I don't know if I just didn't know about them then, or if it's just becoming more of a thing, but I feel like it is definitely more widely available stuff to help keep kids out for more than, you know, 20 minutes. Some of the gear we've had in the past, I'm like, okay, you're, you're completely soaked through in 20 minutes. Is that the expectation for American children that just, well, aren't they done? You know, and I would say, no, they're not done. Have, have you, have you faced any, I mean, unique challenges based on your location that you've had to overcome? I mean, camping solo with three children is in the snow, in the snow is probably a bridge too far. Well, in the snow is in my parents. yard. So that's <laughs> still, <laughs> still, that's easy. I feel like there, there are no challenges to yard camping almost like we just brought all our stuff in there. And if somebody doesn't want to be out there, then they just go inside, which didn't happen. But it, you know, if, if it had, it would have been easy. We did, we did have a trip this last weekend. I've only backpacked with all three children once and it did not go great. But <laughs> when I look back at pictures, I'm still like, wow, it looks pretty great. Um, <laughs> which I did take a couple of videos of that time and saying on the video, how my kids were not having a good time, just so I kind of remember that not to you know remember that it was a hard trip but just to remember that even when it is a really hard trip they are still saying I'm having a blast and you know especially my my two daughters they had a really hard time on that trip and I remember then I took a video of us at night and I said how is camping and they were like it's awesome it's the best or whatever and my son is like what are you talking about you girls have been complaining all day <laughs> and they're like what no it's awesome and you know, so that's just, that's how they're taking it away too. They're not, they're not pretending they're having a good time. They really are. They just, you know, they have their kid struggles too. Cool. So maybe we'll pivot a little bit. Um, what type of, you know, groups or co-ops, what type of opportunities do you have? Or, I mean, maybe not now with COVID, but maybe before COVID, what did you have or what do you, you know, what do you do to help get your kids with other kids? And do you do activities, enrichments, things of that nature? What, you know, what are those, some of those things that you do other than, you know, going hiking and, and camping and with mom, but do they get activities with other kids? Yeah, we, some of our first friends that we met were through Hike It Baby, which. Yep. Mm, yes. Love Hike It Baby. Yeah, Hike It Baby. Yeah. Yeah, we used to do a lot of it. Yeah, great friends. Yeah, there. it is. And we, well, I shouldn't say that I help run a branch because it's there's nothing happening in the branch right now but we we do have a a branch where I'm where I live and I think I've I think it's been five years yeah I think it's as it the branch that I'm currently running is as old as my middle daughter and that's actually where we started doing these hikes around a place called Reflections Lake that we did every week and it was just a recurring hike that I did and it was great. We, we had people join us. So we did that, I guess it stopped in March 
But until then, we did it for five years. And I think there were two times that we didn't have company, that we were the only people there. Every other week, we had families join us. And the two times that there was no one there, it was below minus 20 both of those times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So not entirely surprising. And we were only out for about an hour those times. Although I will say they were some of the most beautiful hikes because it's really, really beautiful when it's that cold. Yeah. But I was not surprised we weren't joined. But every other week we'd have families join. There were some families that were regulars that we kind of knew were coming every week, but then there would be some totally different people that would come hike with us. So I feel like, especially my kids growing up with that, you know, we need it a little bit less now. We kind of have established friends and playdates and that sort of thing. But it was definitely a really useful organization for us for, you know, we moved here and we had friends, but then we started to have kids and you want to make friends with other people who are having kids and who are into the same kind of thing and into hiking. And so it was, it was a really great thing for that, for my kids just growing up with meeting new people on the trail. And I just feel like there's a lot of growth that they got to do just on hikes, meeting new people and developing friendships it's also nice to meet other people who value going to bed at nine o'clock in the morning at night as well yeah yeah that's <laughs> yeah. the problem with people who don't have kids it's yeah, like, they have the kids. hey guys let's play until 12 o'clock no that baby's waking up in five hours i can't <laughs> see so you have respect for tomorrow i haven't quite developed respect for tomorrow yet I'm still <laughs> regularly up till after midnight for really no reason <laughs> but i'm not partying or anything i'm not out with people i'm <laughs> Um, do you have a secular community of homeschoolers there in your area? Have you been able to reach into kind of like a network of people? Yeah, well, we have, we found a bunch of people from both the, my son goes to an outdoor environmental program that's for like kids kindergarten and above. It's a field school that's run through one of the local colleges. And that's, that's kind of a great, a great community that we've been introduced to. And we were introduced to that through the Waldorf Forest Preschool that my son and now my daughter goes to. And we've met a lot of people through through those and kind of formed a community through those things. So, so we've talked we've talked a little bit about forest preschools. Maybe could you talk a little bit about like your experience with the Waldorf one? Sure. It's it's a Lifeways program and it's just wonderful. My son went for one year and my daughter's now going for two because she's a September baby. So she gets a bonus year before she starts kindergarten and it's it's great they're outside most of the time but they do inside stuff too and they'll do some cooking they do my daughter's really developed a love for wet felting and felting wool of any kind which is great that she does there I I'm I try and be good with crafts but it's really my weakness and you know sometimes she'll say mom can we felt today and I'm you know I just kind of inside go oh like (laughs) I have to Um, and I love that she likes to do it but it's it's just not something that I'm as knowledgeable about and I'll get stuff out I'll look at instructions we'll do stuff together but it's the outdoor stuff that really comes more naturally to me and I I know how important crafting is for them and especially her because she's really kind of art driven but I don't do it as much as I can so I'm really happy to send her somewhere that they do instill that love of arts and crafts and handicrafts and that kind of thing for her you you spend a lot of time outdoors do you do you do a lot of screen time television movies with the kids or is it really just primarily outdoors and if so you know, do they have a, you know, an interest in, you know, screens or televisions, computers, things of that nature? We don't really do screen time. We okay. will do it. A, we didn't, we don't do it at all during the summer, almost, almost under any circumstances, we won't do it. But we have, we'll watch if there's a launch, we'll try and watch that almost mm-hmm. never when it's happening, because I forget <laughs> and it doesn't work out. So we'll, we'll rewatch and pretend it's live. But we'll watch some things like that. For our space unit, we did watch a couple of the Nova documentaries on the planets because I realized the books are really great, but there's there's just some things that a video would be a little bit better mm-hmm. for. But I, I do try and have screen time be so minimal that it's not even something they really think to ask for. 
and it works out great. They don't they don't really ask for it. I we had introduced a little bit of screen time to my oldest when he was maybe like four and a half. I think I had tried to do, you know, they say no screen time or no screens before three or something like that. And I had always had that in my mind. And then all of a sudden he was like four and I was like, well, maybe we'll, we'll try a little screen time with you. And it just, it did not work for us. And it just kind of really threw him for a loop kind of regulation wise. And I think he's much more sensitive to it than other kids would be, but I just felt like, it would take days for kind of the effects to wear off that that he had from it, and I don't feel like there was as much as much uh, benefit to us. Just versus, it's also a thing of not having time for it. I mm-hmm. I just feel like there's not there's not time in a day in a day to sit down and and do stuff. And I am lucky that I don't really cook a lot of the meals. <laughs> My husband does that, and. So I wake up and, oh, look, breakfast is there. And then we're eating. And for dinner, you know, if I think that's a time when a lot of parents will, you know, have half an hour screen time so they can get stuff done, which is totally understandable. But, you know, I'll just, I I don't do a lot of the dinner prep, but I'll give the kids something to chop, whether it's going in the dinner or not, just here, chop this carrot and maybe we'll give it to the chickens or (laughs) who knows, but you can chop this for 20 minutes and that'll be great. Um, and the we, reason why the reason why I asked that question was because I, I have read some papers and studies that screen time can kind of affect your ability to do deep focus, and I wanted to know that you know since you guys do do a lot of out, outdoor times, do you find your children are have that ability to go focus on something like very deeply and you know kind of dive into it and kind of disappear into it as opposed yeah to, okay. I, I think so and I I do think. I can see how screen time could kind of throw that out of balance a little bit. I mean, just the, my older kids are old enough now that they're maybe not as affected by that as they Mm -hmm. would be as babies, but just, you know, the, the flashing screens and just getting used to that real stimulus that just constant intense flashing screens. I I do think that is not great and it should be avoided. Um, I, I feel very strongly about this actually for very young kids and definitely had no screen time before three, but now I feel like it maybe isn't quite, it wouldn't be quite as detrimental to their focus mm-hmm. as, as it would be when they're, when they're really young and just kind of developing those inputs and awareness. And I think especially for babies, like it just, I've heard people say before, like, look, my baby looks like they're bored. I'm like, they're not, they're, they're exploring your ceiling, which they will maybe do for a very long time. (laughs) And it's very interesting for them just playing with focus and, and that kind of thing. And I think that lasts a lot longer than, than people think. And you always feel like you need to prop baby up somewhere and uh, entertain them somehow. And I think they're, they're not given enough credit for how well they can entertain themselves. And I, I do feel like you see effects of that, that you may not realize later on so we do we do try and avoid that we do have we do have an exception is we do watch football and previously that had been football without commercials and now we haven't found a great way to avoid the commercials (laughs) but we we try and mute them and have the kids turn away but it doesn't always work so sometimes they're repeating stuff but my (laughs) it is a very active activity for my son because through the entirety of his football game he is throwing himself across the room playing catch with himself, which he's actually very good at. <laughs> um, so he kind of treats that as an active thing. And then the girls don't really care to watch it all. They're not really big fans of football, but I love football also. So that's something we kind of do together. So that's like our screen time exception. But I don't see the same effects from him that I would see if we watched something else. Like if I put on a cartoon or something for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we did, when he turned six, we watched The Lion King and it was kind of a monumental thing for us. <laughs> it's my favorite movie and that was kind of a big deal. But then kind of the whole week after we watched that, he was a little, I don't know, he was just, he was different. And I don't think it's just my perception. I think it was just, mm-hmm. you know, it was really great that we watched it. I'm glad we did, but it was just I don't know, a little bit different. And I think it affects their play too. Mm -hmm. He still, that was, 
that was last December. So that was a year ago. And it's amazing. He's only seen it once and it's amazing what his memory of it is. Cause I think we have the same memory of it and I've seen it, you know, a hundred times and, you know, he incorporates it a lot into his play, which is great, but it's also great when he just incorporates things that aren't, you know, directly what he heard or saw from a movie. So. Um, I noticed in your Instagram feed, I was thumbing through that you, you seem to have a lot of uh, like tumbling and physical exercise and things of that nature in your house. Could you talk a yes. little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, that looks awesome, do, basically, by the way. Basically, you have every pad on the planet, and I, I'm very <laughs> jealous, especially yeah. the one that looks like you guys are sliding downstairs. Could you uh, talk about your future? Oh. Your future, yeah. what, what is it, uh, luge athletes? <laughs> <laughs> that The stairs one, we've that's a new one for us. Um, they're, they're sliding down on nugget couches, which yeah. I hesitate to even mention because they're impossible to get right now. But and you have so many of them. Oh, yeah, I we saw them, like, I think you have a couple of them. They one, are impossible to we, find. We, we were th- we were trying to debate if you, you know, robbed a warehouse full of nuggets. No, they, <laughs> they used to be so easy to get and they used to give you package discounts for buying more than one. <laughs> so they're, yeah, we've had them for a very long time. We have five of them and there, they will cover our whole living room floor and make just like a whole padded crash room kind of, which is great for when my son watch, watches football, he can throw himself around the room and just like dive and just have these cushions everywhere. Um, and then, yeah, you can put them down the stairs, which a lot of people put them down the stairs and I had wanted to do it forever, but we have um, a boot rack at the bottom of our stairs that has like foot long pegs that stick out. And so I was worried about them sliding down into those. And then I think my son actually came up with the idea. He's like, we can put the pickler triangle down at the bottom and then put a nugget over that. And because that's a triangle, it's not like it won't slide against the boot rack. And I was like, wow, okay, yes, (laughs) we we can do that. That'll work. And it did work. And so they slid down the stairs and um, that was, yeah, they, they did that for, I think, two solid days, like almost nothing but that. I think we, we took like outside breaks for a couple hours and we come right back in. And that is all they did was find ways to slide down those stairs. And I think that's, we don't have a hill in our yard and that's one of my greatest property regrets. (laughs) Um, And I've thought about ways to build them and how much soil would I need to have dumped on the yard just to have like a rolling and sledding hill. We haven't done that yet, but even if you don't have stairs, the nuggets are still really great for building forts or just for throwing yourself around for, you know, when you do the thing where dad is a, you know, whatever, some sort of beast on all fours and the kids are riding on his back. He's trying to throw them off and, you know, just any sort of tackling or kid wrestling, throwing activities. We've got a ninja line up there too. And so they can swing and kind of do flips on those. My middle child is, she always invents just the most, amazing gymnastic moves and then my son's like whoa I want I need to know how to do that and he'll kind of copy her moves but she's great at doing flips on that and so just a lot of stuff like that that we can actually get better exercise a lot of the times indoors than out just because we have these these mats that they can fall on whereas our yard is gravel and cobbles and it's just (laughs) not like nice to fall on so yeah, we try and remain as active as possible indoors. And we have a Swedish ladder too, which is nice for climbing. The cats actually like to climb it too, which I don't know how they do it, but but they do. And yeah, just climbing, swinging, hammocks are great. I, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly on the lookout for like, what kinds of things can I, you know, if I see my kids wanting to do something, like I feel like if you see your kids hanging from a door frame, you know, oh, they need more things to climb, but also door frames are great to climb. I, I know people that say, no, don't, don't do that. Don't climb that. Don't, I don't know. We're not a don't house. We're a like, yeah, do it. If you're, if you're not going to break the house, do it. Well, I, I installed my door frame. Our door frames actually, our molding falls out very regularly. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, active play, physical play, is that very purposeful in your homeschooling world? Do you really push the kids in into doing that? Do you do also any gymnastics or organized gymnastics as well? We, so we had done some open gym 
stuff with my, when I just had two kids, we would go to open gym a lot. And then I had the third and I just found it was hard to manage three kids in there or just a baby and two kids. And, you know, I was like, I have to pay for each kid to go here. And I was like, maybe I should just try and turn my living room into a place where we can just do whatever we want all the time. And obviously it's not the same, but I'm, we're not, I wouldn't do organized sports with the kids until probably at least eight or nine, I think just for other philosophical reasons, but open gym was nice, but I just kind of realized I, you know, and I'm kind of a homebody too. I just, I would always rather just create something in my house rather than go to a gym or a library or something like that. I love the ideas of having those places, but I just, I find that I'm most comfortable in my home or, you know, out for hikes and not that we don't like people. I love seeing people outside or on play dates, but you know, sometimes I just do feel a little like, I don't know, I don't feel like going out or doing something or paying for a gymnastics activity, having to monitor the kids, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I found, I found that whenever we came back from open gym, someone would be sick too. Like there were a couple of places like that we went to that I'm just like, well, we're going to be getting a cold this week. And <laughs> so, um, Do you plan on doing or have you done a lot of foraging? Um, especially wild mushrooms, wild edibles. Do you do that as part of your homeschooling environment? Mushrooms, I would love to, but I'm very uncomfortable with it. We sure. we did some mushroom study last year. And even the things that I was very confident, yes, this is this. It looks exactly like this picture in our guide. It's growing in the right place. I still didn't really want to touch it because I just, I don't feel like I'm experienced enough. And okay. just like my general scatterbrainedness with having children (laughs) just (laughs) I just don't really want to mess with it so it's just we don't touch them but we do so we like to look at mushrooms but we will we do spruce tips and dandelions and and that sort of stuff there's there's more easily identifiable plants that will make syrups every year and we do very basic stuff it's something I'd like to continue more working on myself and the children but yeah, the, the spruce, spruce tips and dandelions are like our big, our big foraging items. And we kind of get a lot of, we make several things with both of those, I think. And I think we skipped, I think we missed spruce tip season this year somehow. It just was like a very busy spring or something and we didn't get to do it. And the kids still talk about how we missed it. <laughs> <laughs> and what what is spruce tips? I don't... Um, when a spruce tree kind of shoots out its first little growths in the spring like they're this light green bud that comes off the top of the tree or it comes out the the end of each branch they're little needles but they're soft they're not like super sprucey and pointy yet and they're actually really nice to eat they taste kind of lemony and sprucey Mm. and I think they have beers and stuff brewed with spruce tips but you can make honeys and you can make other stuff or you can just eat them and even, even it kind of varies which of my kids likes them from year to year, but even the ones that don't like them do try one every single day, <laughs> even if it's just to make that like lemon face of, oh, I don't like this. Um, so th- those are really fun to pick. And there's also a devil's club is another one that it, it does become poisonous, I think, but in the very, very early spring, it sends out a little like tender green shoot that you can mm. eat. Do, do you guys do any type of, you know, fishing or hunting as part of your homeschooling as well? We don't. And okay. I would love to. We, <laughs> I own an ice auger <laughs> and we've been ice fishing, but I, I do not fish and I don't really enjoy fishing. I would love for someone else to deal with the fish if we caught one and me just to drill a bunch of holes in the ice and, and <laughs> look at the ice and watch it. But my son would love ice fishing. So that's kind of something I'm hoping, of course, we're already quite a bit into our winter, but I did kind of promise myself this season that I would figure out how to get fish for him. And uh, I I think he would really enjoy doing that. We do have friends that ice fish, but Mm -hmm. of course, right now we haven't seen them in a while. So it's uh, not going to be the winter that they teach us how to do it. So I I do know it's something that we, we, uh, we do have the equipment to do it and we could do it ourselves. It's just a matter of me actually doing it. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about why you're here. Um, Ariel stalked you on Instagram. So <laughs> this is tell true. us, tell us about Instagram. Tell us about your Instagram handle, you know, what you're trying to do with that. Maybe give us the whole rundown. Sure. Um, 
I I am relatively new to Instagram. It's not something I'd had for very long. And I, I don't know what I'm really trying to do with it. I think just trying to, I try and do at least a post a day. Sometimes it's more than that. And I, I do take an excessive amount of photos and I, I can't help it. I've, I've tried before to go like a day without taking pictures and I can't do it, but I just am trying to kind of share what our life is like every day. So, you know, every, our kind of family motto is every day can be an adventure. And that's something that I kind of told to myself when we first got pregnant with my oldest and kind of knew, okay, life's going to be changing a little bit. Our adventures are going to look different. I'm not going to be able to go into the backcountry for a week by myself anymore. Of course, now that's changing because now I can take my kids out with me. But you know, at the time, I just realized we're going to be slowing down. Our adventures are going to look different. They're going to be smaller, and that's okay. And it's actually turned out that it's better than okay. It's experiencing the world with them is so much richer than it was doing it by myself. And I feel like each of them are really enthusiastic about nature in different ways and different things that they love to do and different places that are special to them. And so it's just kind of trying to share parts of that. And people have said stuff to me like, you know, I I picture your kids, you know, just happily singing themselves into their snowsuits every day and never any tears or anything. And, you know, we, we certainly have tough days too. But I do find we almost never struggle like getting into the car or getting out the door. And I, I do think part of it part of it is having like a gear routine. We don't have a homeschool routine, but we do have a gear routine of like mm-hmm. what goes on and just being kind of up deep, upbeat while we're doing it and just everyone kind of helping. And I do, I do a lot of the putting on mainly because it's just like, if I let you all put on all your stuff, I think that is better for you probably developmentally, but we will never make it anywhere. So, um, you know, we've taken up so much of your time today. We really appreciate it. But before we wrap up, just uh, one question we like to ask people we interview. Uh, if you had advice for a brand new homeschooler, we have lots of new homeschoolers uh, due to COVID. Uh, what would what would your advice be? What did you wish you knew and, and you'd love to, to tell others who are just getting into this? Um, I think it might be a little bit different if it's a COVID homeschooler, just because if they might have to go back into a traditional school. But I, I really think kids are very resilient. And I think just do what you can. I feel like a lot of people are juggling 10 million things right now. And I think just kids will be able to catch up. Kids aren't, little kids especially, they're they're not falling behind. They're They're learning every day. They're learning you know, they learn stuff crawling around on the kitchen floor, they'll find something and learn about it, especially in my house. Um, But just anything you do, they're learning and don't, don't stress about exactly what they're learning, go with their interests. You know, I, I just feel like cultivating that love of learning early on, and often every time they're interested in something just show enthusiasm about learning about it with them. And then they're going to love learning. Like that's, I feel like the ages my kids are right now are such key years for kind of developing how they learn, how they question things and how excited they are about life and about learning and about discovering things. And kids just have that. All kids have that innate ability to just wonder and question. And, you know, it's always a thing with parents, just the, you know, why, what's that? Well, you know, all the questions that I think parents sometimes feel dragged down by it but just kind of try and turn that around as often as you can into like this curiosity that's such a gift with children so embrace that and and go outside with them (laughs) every day yeah i'm definitely inspired to get some better rain gear after uh hearing this uh our daughters love to get outside and we just don't uh i I think part of is we need to buy we bought them good gear but we need to buy ourselves better gear so that we're not cold and and wet because (laughs) that's not fair mom and dad not want to be outside Uh, but that's part of why i've bought my kids really really nice rain gear is you know working at rei for years i have great gear i have gear that i can be 
laying in a torrential downpour for hours and be dry. So, you know, it's not fair for them me to expect them to have subpar stuff. So I'm like, you're getting the good stuff, kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for your time today. I, I think this is great. And we're going to link your Instagram in the show notes. So everyone can look at your gorgeous pictures um, and wish for the next Alaska vacation. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!